Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. I am here with a very longtime companion on a journey, walking out of a long stream of water into the promised land of agility. Yes, that's what we're calling it right now. We're calling it uh, companion. (laughs) (laughs) That way it's not alienating to anyone except people who aren't companions. So Jesse Fuel is here. Jesse, say hi to everyone. What's up, everyone? And Jesse and I uh, started doing stuff together, God, probably like in 2006 or 2007, maybe a little bit after that. Seven, seven, eight. Trying to to help people at PMI pay attention to Agile. It was like me and you, Matthias Petrin, Sliger. um, Mike Griffith. Yeah, Mike Griffiths, obviously. I always forget to mention Mike Griffiths, but he's been there since before we were. Um, and it's been a long journey. Both of us became CSTs, and both of us have gone in different paths. But we also have that common foundation of we were traditional project managers. That's right. You yeah, Give me my Gantt chart. Exactly. I miss, still miss my Gantt chart. So we have a couple of things we're going to talk about, and we're not exactly sure where it's going to go. But you posted something on LinkedIn. I want to I want to let you introduce the topic because you're working okay. on putting something together. Um, yeah, the theme so. the theme for that we're going to start with is agile layoffs, and this is um, this is a topic that we've covered from a different angle in the past, namely, does agile cause layoffs? Um, are the PMO and the project manager and the QA department fearing for their jobs because here comes Agile saying, we don't need you people anymore. Fast forward 20, 25 years, and now all the Agile people are getting laid off. Yeah, And this is a trend that's been happening um, over the past calendar year that was arguably motivated by the tech downturn, which was triggered by the crypto collapse. And, and, and then the pandemic. Sudden, uh actually i think this is post pandemic um that i'm i'm feeling this i'm hearing a lot more chatter about this over the last calendar year okay um and arguably the pandemic itself um on the one hand it created a, a huge uh disruption for agile trainers who were very accustomed to doing their two-day workshops at a hotel ballroom and, you know, charging 1200 bucks a head and, yep. and then uh, raking in, you know, half a million dollars a year. Woohoo, I'm an agile trainer. And then the pandemic shut that all down, yep. but it created a massive demand for agile coaches who had to help companies make a pivot in the middle of the pandemic because our business model needs to now include some kind of virtual solution. Yep. And now we're coming into the tech downturn. Um, and so my son got caught up in, in, in that downturn and a number of my colleagues got caught up in the downturn. Um, and now it's starting to hit agile professionals, agile experts, coaches, um, scrum masters, RTEs, yeah. um, program managers, um, famously and publicly posted Capital One yeah. laid off all of their agile delivery leads saying, um, well done. Job mission accomplished. We're agile now. Uh, we don't need the training wheels. We don't need the babysitters. We're good. Um, yep. And isn't it coincidence that this happened just at the exact time that we're getting some headcount pressure? So ding, 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 solution, lay off all the agile people. 
So that's what I wanted to kind of talk uh, about because Dave, you, you, you I want to add some layers people. to it because I see other things laid on top of it. All right, give me some layers. So one of them is that over the past year, there's been the emergence of this new job. So Scrum Masters have been getting fired and they replaced the job with the technical program manager, which based on the research that me and some other people have like done to try to figure out what the hell is this job, it is an experienced agile transformation coach with many years of project management experience and a PMP layered on top of all their software development experience and their deep knowledge of design thinking, which doesn't exist. And if they did, you couldn't afford them. <laughs> so that's what they're hiring people into jobs that nobody has all the skill or very few people probably have all the skills to fit mm -hmm. that whole bill. Um and I don't really understand what those people are supposed to do, but they're sort of not a project manager, not a scrum master. They're kind of mm -hmm. a tech lead and a mix of all three. So that's part of it. And then what I've been seeing also is companies that have taken this weird page. It's like they ripped one page out of the safe textbook and threw the rest of the book away where a tech lead and somebody at a program level are making decisions at a quarterly level about what all the teams will deliver and giving it to the teams to deliver, even though it's more work than the teams can do. And those teams generally don't have either a product owner or a scrum master or both. Here's another which is Which is a perfect reason to get rid of all the agile coaches because they would be standing there going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's another layer. I've also heard of the technical product manager. Okay. Which um, is... Uh, a term that's been floated around a lot of unicorn tech shops okay. as the replacement of the product owner and the scrum master with one role. So we're merging two roles into one, sure. um, which is, this is my product. I got half a dozen teams that are doing it. They all yeah. report to me and I'm doing it all. And so that's what we would have called a program manager back in the day. Back in the day. That's right. So there is this trend now where particularly the scrum master role is becoming in, increasingly 50-50. Uh, 50 percent chance is there, 50 percent chance it's not there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Pat. So do you think that before we get into the layoff part, because this might be the reason for the layoffs, do you think that because of the constraints that have been placed on business, that they are just going back to the old girlfriend because they forgot why they stopped dating her in the first place. Let's go do some waterfall stuff, but we'll pretend it's agile or whatever because we learned a bunch of things. And even, but we're really just doing what we used to do, or we're heading in that direction. Right, like you know, man, I, I know I quit smoking because I'll live longer and have better outcomes, health outcomes. But man. You know, if I got to lose the extra five pounds, let me go back yeah, to the six need a little, pick, uh, little boost. Right. And and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so addictive. And let me never go back to the healthier way of life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there is some of that. That was it's easy. It's the easy button. It's the easy button. It's it's more of um, it's more of like we have real financial pressure to lower headcount mm -hmm. and. What are some ideas that we have and the to do that? And the only ideas that we have are to go back to old models that yeah. we used to know. And so as if our business to, is struggling, let's get rid of the people we need to make it run so that it runs better. Yeah. Now, 
that's that's the question. That's the question. So on the one hand, the whole concept of decentralized leadership, where let's take the good old fashioned PMP that, you know, Uh from from the 90s and the 2000s, where this was the the single ringable neck, the the one stop shop, the bottleneck project manager. Or, or in many organizations, it's not a project manager, it's a functional departmental manager, but they make all the technical decisions, all the priority decisions, and they make yeah. all of the people assignment The responsible decisions. person. Right. Um, so in some organizations, it could be argued, well, we've successfully transitioned away from that. Um, we now have an agile delivery lead. We have a product manager. And we got some tech architects floating around, but we certainly don't need agile coaches anymore or agile trainers because we're agile now. Right. So, so there's another nuance there. There's another layer on, on the one hand um, we've transformed as much as we need to let's keep our scrum masters and tell all the experts to leave. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, there's, there's a couple of different stories here about, how are we gonna? How are we gonna cut our headcount without um, shooting ourselves in the foot? And and so I, I'm I'm really concerned that we as a community don't have an answer. We don't have an answer. How do you know? I think what we the don't even know what the done? question is. Ah, because ah. so here's here's one of the things I keep thinking. There's agile people walking around going, "Is it done? Is it still happening? Are we still doing this?" But I don't know if the business world cares. Like they're not worried about being agile. They're worried about a lot of things, but. Right. Speed to market quality. um, Or even ability to manage change, but it's not like agile is the thing that it, the solution that it was years ago. What do you mean? And agile is not the solution that it was. Well, it's not going to, I think there was a perception for a while that, oh, we have to go agile because that's what everyone does. Like agile is the keto diet. That's going to make the world super amazing and fit. But what they realize is that it doesn't. And even though a lot of us would look at it and say, well, it doesn't because you're not doing it right. You haven't created the conditions for the system to be able to let agile do what it can do. You haven't given people the things they need. They're like, yeah, but you know, we worked really hard. And um, we'll just go do the other thing now because it's easier, <laughs> right? So, and they haven't lost that. enough weight because they keep sneaking Twinkies on the side. So they think the diet doesn't work. Yeah, this is the, uh, so part of what we're running up against is human nature. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this great quote um, from Ken Schwaber um, where he said about Scrum in particular, um, Scrum doesn't solve any problem. Uh, in the organization, in your team, or in your workplace, all it does is it reveals all the problems you already have and make them so visible and so painful, you finally have to do something about it. Right. So if if you're driving off a cliff, Scrum is going to help you drive off the cliff faster at a higher velocity. Um, and I think what happens is when people discover they have an ugly baby, they work at it and they work at it, but eventually it's like, this is, you know what? Um let me just put my head back in the ground because this is hard. Yeah. It's hard. And they're tired from the pandemic and everything else. I'm I'm appreciative of the fact that you talked about the ugly baby because I do that all the time and people look at me weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, the pandemic really did. Um, I, I, there was one client I'm working with right now where people um, in the um, public school space, 
And there, these rank and file employees were saying, listen, if agile means we go back to what, it, what the pandemic was, I'm retiring. I'm done. Because <laughs> that's not what this is about. And yet, isn't it about having a higher performing team, maybe doing 10 people doing the work of what 20 people used to require? Because we've we've removed impediments and barriers. I've had plenty of agile coaches say, we need to descale the organization. Wink, nod, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we've talked about descale the organization, which means agile equals layoffs because we don't need as many people because we're more efficient. We remove impediments, barriers, redundancies, and now the, the roosters are coming home. Is that that's but, not how you say it, right? The chickens come home to roost. It's okay. Everybody understood what you meant, and they judge okay. you on a sliding scale. Um, so you, I, I'm going to go back to something you brought up earlier. So they said that we're agile now, so we don't need this. And I keep thinking that would be like, and I had to look it up because I don't follow the sports, but if the Rams won the Super Bowl last year or Man City won the Premier League, they don't fire the coach and go, okay, we're already like, we're the best. We're going to stay the best forever. You need people there. Mm. You don't fire your coach just because you achieved whatever it was. You need to dig in even harder then. Um, right. The different business, we treat it like, like that's what happens. We we got this. We're done. Yeah, but the difference in uh, in in the coach in the sports world um, is they're they're a true um, manager. The whoever you call the manager, the skipper, the yeah, the baffer, the 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 manager of the team. It would be more akin to um, firing your sideline throw-in coach. Or, oh, your or your pitching coach, free kick set Pete's coach, or your, yeah, yeah. your pitching coach, right? Or your free throw coach, sure. because you're you're a luxury to help us get that extra edge that but made us we, win. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We just lost a ton of money, and so now we can't afford that. So we're just gonna like we're gonna suck a little bit more to get through the lean times. So what I think that's what executives solution? are facing. But what would be? Is it that they should do less? Or is it just we can't afford to keep the coaches around anymore, which makes sense. I, I get that. But they're not doing anything to support. the. It's like they're taking away the one thing of support that people have and not giving them anything to help them prop themselves up. And the reason they're taking it away is because we as a community cannot articulate the financial impact. The we value. Have. Yeah. Uh, so um like one of my mentors is Luke Homan, author of Innovation Games and also a safe fellow. Um, and he just released a book with uh, Jason Tanner uh, called Software Profit Streams. And he makes the point that nobody cares about business value. People care about profit. That's what executives fundamentally care about. It's, uh, most of their compensation, if you're a CXO at, at any, either at a startup or a scale up or at a large fortune a global 1000 with much of your compensation is tied to profitability of the organization and and right. you're getting you're getting bonuses on that and so if we if we were to able to say listen uh because you have a scrum master here um we can see a trend that the team improves its throughput its reliability by 5% every single year, every single quarter, whatever it is, that translates at $100,000 of burn rate yeah. to $5,000 of added uh, of added um, uh, throughput in the organization. So those kinds of mathematical formulas 
we're not really good at as a community. And so all they, all the executives see is somebody walking in with the name of a coach telling him you suck and I'm here to help. And well, I think it's maybe worse than that because you could hire me to be a raw food chef and send me to a two-day class, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be a good raw food chef. And if you put me in a kitchen yeah. with no raw food, I'm going to be really bad at it. Yeah. And uh, especially if you're like, well, you know, I went to the two-day class and they said that um, raw food doesn't need to be cooked. No raw food needs to be cooked. It's tartar and it's sushi and, and everyone's getting sick. And you're like, it's not my fault. I followed the textbook. And uh, yeah, so there is, there is a lot of um, <laughs> uh, cookbook agile that tends yeah. to backfire a little bit, which makes things worse. But I, I, I'm really, I'm really believing that we do, we do have a financial impact on the bottom line. We, we increase throughput, we increase quality, we increase um uh, the talent base of the teams that we have. Well, how do you prove it? Uh, well, you have to find a way to have, you have to do the math and doing the math, the math is, but that's the thing though. So like if I'm a project manager, I could probably use earned value to gin up some things to make it look like I was actually improving stuff. Yeah. There, but, the, and that, but that's how would I do that as a, as an agile team member? Yeah, a lot of the math, um, whether you're talking OKRs or you're talking um, net present value, um, I, is is called indirect cost savings. Um, uh, that's one term for it. And I had one worked with one large um, organization, manufacturing organization, that said that's not going to cut it anymore. We need direct cost cuts. Translation: fewer heads. And and so I was like, I don't want to go into this murky moral territory of saying that agile is going to cut your headcount. Um, it's a, and I've had, I've had executives ask me exactly that question and, and, and I politely say that's, but I don't think that's not necessarily where we need to go. If that's the goal, then you have a different problem. But I think if, if any organization that was traditional really committed themselves to switching over to an agile way of working, build a system that would allow the, the teams to, to do what they had to do, gave them the support they needed and the freedom they needed to make the choices and learn then yeah, you could probably reduce some headcount. But you can't reduce the headcount first. You'd only be able to do that afterwards when you realize, oh, we're well, actually churning out less defects. Maybe we need less support people. So I actually had a front row seat to this at a, at a Fortune 500 last year that um, was coming out of bankruptcy. And... They agile was part of the restructuring strategy. Right. They said, Jesse, help us be agile because we need to get back to profitability. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's do this and this and this. And then right in the middle of the transformation, they cut 10%, 10, 15% of everybody in tech. And then they told all the product managers, you still need to deliver on your commitments. Yeah, exactly. So and they did. Hold on though. And they did. Well, yeah, because they worked all night and weekends and then probably half of them quit. Um, there is, I was talking with Troy Lightfoot about this the other day. There's a lack of common sense now. Mm. Like, let's go agile to increase profitability. That's not what agile's job is. 
Well, when it will happen, it might happen. Doing financial pressure is forcing us out of the big picture into survival mode, and so for that Fortune 500, survival mode meant that as a senior leadership team that was brought in to turn a company around, your 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 literal income is tied to fixing this problem. So you're going to grab whatever you can out of the toolbox. Likewise, during the tech downturn, everybody's looking at headcount reduction. And so they're going to turn to their toolbox and say, you know what, let's merge all the agile people into regular roles. So you're right. I think you're right that the financial pressure kills common sense. Yeah. It's like, let's start playing pickleball every day. So we run a faster marathon. I mean, you might develop, do enough cardio there to, to get that, but pickleball is not going to make you a good marathon runner. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What if what if the, the proposition is, I know this is not ideal, says the executive facing the financial pressure. We're just going to suck 10%, 15% more than we know what we could do until we get through this, and then we'll bring... Well, okay, but then if you're going to take those people, like what you just described, they took people away and said, work as hard as those other people, as if they were still here. You take some of the people away, you take some of the work away. Right. I think this is this is yeah. part of the problem now, is that what's happening is not just the people are getting laid off. The systems are becoming more inhumane. We are treating people worse than gears in a machine. We're treating them like gears in the machine that exist so we can run them until they break. So what if, yeah, so I guess then the question is, is what do we do? Because this is, this is, it's a pattern, but um, it's not everywhere and it's in varying degrees. Yeah. And you said something to me at the Orlando conference when I was lamenting the fact that a lot of these offenders, uh, well, let's just say some of these offenders that we're talking about who are under this pressure are in the late adopter, late majority, laggard category. And then you yeah. you lit up and like, yeah, but those are my people. They are my people. I will stand by the, I'm like that agile bodhisattva. I'll stand by the door <laughs> waiting for those waterfall people all day long because that's who I want to serve. And yet um, there's also the, the category because Capital One was not a late majority um, agile adopter. They... They've been trying at it for years and then the ING merger and all of that. So then there are the early adopters who are declaring, oh, we're agile now. We don't need scrum masters to babysit us because, you know, that's, you know, insert criticism of scrum here. Um, or we don't need. Um, but see, I think if you get to agile. that, if you get to that decision, then either your scrum masters don't understand their job or you don't understand the job of the scrum master. Because if your teams are able to deliver, like you get to the high performing team level, that's to me, the thing that we haven't really gotten to is that's when the job should actually kick in. That's when it should become hard for a scrum master to say, okay, now what am I going to do to add value? How am I going to help this team rise? What am I going to do for this organization? We're so busy trying to stop the bleeding that we never understand that our job is to get them like out of the emergency room. Yeah. So here's another angle that I want to get your take on because let's, so we're, we're beginning, we're asserting that we still need agile talent in order to have organizations thrive and, and, and have people thrive at work producing. Well, do we though? I don't know if I want to assert that. Skills? 
Well, do we need Agile to do that? Could we do well, it? The By Agile, what I mean is um, we're uh, people focusing on people instead of process, um, products instead of paperwork. Okay. Do we need an Agile value system? Of, yes. Right. Okay. So I'm with you on that. So what if it's more about that the industry is evolving into saying, you know what, we don't have the money to fund agile roles, but we do have a necessity for agile skills. So let's sure. have that tech lead make um, some of those tech decisions and let's have or uh -huh. some of those process decisions and facilitate the, the retro. But that's going to be a skill that they bring rather than a role that they fill. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, and it kind of goes to the idea of what I really want is to get to a place where I can choose to have my risk register with my daily scrum and my, mm -hmm. you know, I want all the tools and I want to be able to pick whatever tool I need without worrying about what box it came out of. Right. And I so, want people with me who have the skill and the knowledge to know which tools to pick. Even if their title is now technical program manager. Well, who cares what their job title is if they know how to do the work? But I think now we put people in these roles and they have titles that they don't understand because I, mean, I had a guy on a lean coffee on Friday told me he was asked by his manager if he wanted to be a delivery manager instead of a scrum master. And he said, I'll think about it. And then the manager said, could you tell me what a delivery manager does? Because the <laughs> manager didn't know. <laughs> so he asked him, would you like to, uh, but there's a, so there's job a box and a chart somewhere. He feels like he has to fill. Um, yeah, I think, I, I feel like maybe agile is the answer to a question we had in 1997. Mm -hmm. And I feel like <laughs> we're like Matthew McConaughey dazed and confused. We're just standing outside there in our white jeans <laughs> trying to pick up high schoolers because it worked before. So why shouldn't it work now? Like maybe we need a new question. I think this is the question. I think what we're seeing is a similar inflection point in the agile community that we saw in the project management community. Cause I remember you and I were on the stump or on the campaign trail stumping about, Hey, project manager, that might be what your job title is, but you're going to be asked to do scrum master stuff from time to time from now on. You're going yeah. to be asked to do product owner stuff from time to time now on. You're going to be asked to do uh, like um, le uh, design thinking stuff from time project to time. Project management, studying project management is not enough. You have to study so many other things to be good at that job. So now it might be, hey, Scrum Master, you might need to start putting all of your Scrum Master skills into your toolkit and then changing your job title to yeah. something that's a little bit less um target rich right now because yeah. the scrum masters are a target rich environment where we can just pop them off and say, well, all right, I reduced my headcount. I would say that sort of like for, I mean, what I'm teaching in my CSPO classes, it's not enough for you to just understand scrum and product ownership. You have to understand design thinking and lean startup and a whole bunch of other stuff to be good and relevant in that job. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking like if, if you're a scrum master right now and you're um, looking for work, it might be time for you to say, you know what, I'm an agile-minded technical product manager or I'm an agile-minded uh, team manager because okay. we still have people managers floating sure. around, um, although performance appraisals are dying. 
people. So maybe that's the maybe that's for the people that are looking for jobs. Maybe that's the thing is it's take yourself out of the box you've spent all those years like perfectly getting yourself to fit into. Yeah. And be agile in how you look at yourself and your role. And I think that's the next inflection point. And it feels a lot like the inflection point project managers were being asked to go through 15. Uh, 15 years ago. I think they're still ago. going through it because they have to know all the agile stuff now too. But the the problem is the fidelity of the learning that we have is pretty weak. Uh, in that, in that um, project managers learn about agile, but they don't understand it. I mean, I talked to a bunch of people at one company who told me that every sprint, the scrum master assigns all the work to each team member and they have a sprint review every day when the team members bring the work back that's finished. Um, I mean, it's, it's, there's, and it's the same thing with agile people. We all misunderstand things because there's so much you have to know, but I don't think maybe we are admitting to ourselves how little we know. Well, more not only that, but one of the things that frustrates me about agile experts is our collective inability to adapt to a changing market. It's just deeply ironic. I know a lot of agile trainers lamenting that we can't go back to the pre-pandemic business model. I know a lot of agile coaches who are just like, yeah, but that's not that's not the textbook. You have to do it this way, even though the environment I'm in has nothing like the environment I used to work at. So there's a lot of copy paste um, behaviors. That I did it this way there, therefore it should be exactly that this way here. There's the like my, you know, I'm an RTE, therefore RTE is me. I'm, I'm like at some point, we need to be agile with our career. I, I like the way you said that. Um, so let's talk about the training thing for a second. So for the people that don't know, like if you were a CST before the pandemic, you probably traveled sixty to seventy five percent of your time. You would teach classes of 20 to 30 people, um, charge them anywhere between like $750 and $1,200 a seat. Uh, it was a good living. And it was, I mean, it was a blast to be in a room with those people all the time. Like it was a really fun job. It was exhausting, but it was fun. And we all had to adapt during the pandemic to teaching virtually. And, and a lot of trainers went into this like price war. So the prices kept diving. Yeah. Um, and that's hurt a lot of people, not just, I mean, maybe you are getting a lot of people who want to pay $300 for a cert, but you're crammed 60 to a room or whatever. It's just, for me, I would love to be able to go three three times a month to stand in a room with 20 to 30 people and directly engage with them. And that would be a much better learning experience. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Right, But the reality of it is now people know, oh, I don't even have to put on pants to go to class. I can just (laughs) sit in my pajamas and do it from home. And it might be a better learning experience in person, but it's cheaper and I can wear pajamas. I think I don't have to put on pants to get an MBA. Exactly. So um, that's the choice that's made. And it would be nice if the other thing was still viable, but I don't know if it's viable anymore. And I'm and I'm, that's what I'm wondering is the model that we've created with Agile in these companies and especially transformation, like it's a thing, a destination you're going to. I don't know if it's a viable goal anymore. I feel like there's there's other things. You, I, you and I know similar people that are, 
um, in our community in this space that are going through real contraction. Yeah. There's, there's um, consolidation of different firms coming together. Uh, uh, there's agile coaching firms that are doing, that are having to hit, getting hit with layoffs themselves. And it's, it's so we need to rethink, uh, we need to pivot. We just need to pivot as a community, not just with our, our careers um, and our job titles, um, but also with our strategies for impact and transformation. We need to like pivot away from agile roles to agile skills that can be injected into any role and and then and then find where find find where the opportunity is within the constraints that the boss has. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking it is. And and uh, now what we're going to do is we're going to be taking a lot of feedback that we've been getting on social media uh, on this topic and put together a piece for the Scrum Alliance that's going to be released in conjunction with the upcoming research on agile skills okay. and, and what the demand for agile skills in the marketplace is. And I think people are going to be surprised to see that there's going to be an increase in demand for agile skills in the middle of a really challenging time for agile roles. I wonder if there's going to be an increase in demand for skills from people who don't really understand what the skills that are needed to do the job are. Like I could see where a company would say, oh, what we need in a scrum master is somebody who can tell the team what their velocity is supposed to be. <laughs> right. And not not say not saying, well, we need a really good social engineer who is great at helping a bunch of people take ownership of their own, you know, how they work well, every day. So um, I'm, I'm a student of Bill Joyner and his leadership agility research. And what his research finds that half, half of all leaders of any industry, any country, um, race, religion, gender, and hierarchy, half of all leaders are pointy-haired bosses and they're just not savable. They're just going to be pointy-haired bosses and they're going to be telling, hiring scrum masters to tell the team how much they should do. So we're just going to wait so for all the boomers to just take find, the dirt nap then? Uh, our job is, well, uh, if you're going to speak truth to a boss, be ready for the blowback. because Okay. <clears throat> Because it's going to come. On the other hand, that, see, that's another that's another question. Um, what is the degree to which, like, what battle do you want to fight? Yeah, there, that's I know a lot of question. a lot of people that are that are saying, you know what, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and do what I'm told because I need this job. Yeah, um, especially now. Especially now, and you know what? Um, I'll go back to the Ken Schwaber quotes again. He said, uh, um, a dead scrum master is a useless scrum master. Yeah. So there is virtue to not being dead. Um, live dog instead of a dead lion is going to well, be around. Well, it's very hard war. You have to wait for it to be your turn to make your move. Because all yes. the way back to Sun Tzu. Um, all right. So we have like 10 minutes left. I want to take this back to the original topic. And then I want to ask you the question that I told you about before we, we started. This Let's recording. do it. So we started out by saying this, we were going to talk about layoffs and other than depressing everyone who's been listening, I'm not sure that we've really resolved that or given them anything <laughs> hopeful to, to look for forward to. I've got, um, I've got two things that I think are, um, are positive reframes. Number one is 
just is to embrace the positive impact that you have had. And we as a community have fundamentally changed the way that uh, technology is being built. Uh, I saw John Kern, um, one of the Agile Manifesto authors, do a quick talk. And he said, the problem we were trying to solve in the 90s is that there was a, a vendor doing the, the backlog, a vendor doing the tech design, and a vendor doing the build, and a tender, vendor doing the test. And they all were different companies. Yeah, We've solved this problem. And this is a positive impact. If you're a Scrum Master, Agile Coach, RTE, uh, or or product owner, and you've you've been able to move the organization in in, in a less stupid direction, mm-hmm. embrace that, claim that, put it on your resume right after they lay you off, and then number two, expand your horizons beyond the job title. It's not okay. about the job title. You have. Um, you have skills, you have impact that you can market as a project manager. There's nothing evil about the title of project manager. Right. You have skills and impact you can leverage as a QA manager. There's nothing evil about a QA manager that's in charge of a competency mm-hmm. that rolls out those competency skills across an integrated Agile team. So I think those are two. Number one is claim the positive impact that has made your layoff somehow plausible in the eyes of executives. We don't need you anymore because we're agile now. And number two, claim the skills and impact you have had on your resume so that you can now upgrade to what's next. Everybody goes through layoffs. Everybody gets fired. um, I've been fired a couple of times. I've been laid off a couple of times. And, you know, and if we're the agile people that we claim to be, we should be the role models for how to bounce back. Yeah. I want to, I keep thinking when you talked about, you know, the companies saying they're agile now, I keep thinking about this thing that used to happen. So I run this, ran this meditation group in Oklahoma City and people would come and, you know, it's like, well, what are you looking to get out of this? Well, I want to get enlightenment. I want to become enlightened. I'm like, what are you going to do that? Get a sandwich? Like, it's not like you hit this point and you're done and you like all of a sudden, you know, you're like Morpheus from the matrix. Um it takes constant attention. And even if you get to a place where you're agile, you're not done. You're going to be agile for like four minutes. And then you're going to start slipping back down the slope again. And you got to mm. be able to climb back up. So I just, I always feel compelled to say like, it's not a permanent state. Well, the journey is the, is the goal. Yeah. The journey is the destination. It, um, there's a lot of wisdom there. All right. So what was the other question? So here's the, uh, I'll this was in a lean coffee, and the, here's the what the ticket said. How to explain the value of a Scrum Master if your company isn't using Agile until work comes to the Scrum teams? Or would love to hear about how to be an Agilist in a primarily waterfall environment. And when I dug into the question, the person told me that a uh, person on the younger side, also female, working in an organization where they still have project managers, and the team members treat the Scrum Master like their secretary. Oh, yeah. This person, I mean, in, in having you know spent time with this person in class and in a bunch of lean coffees, is somebody who stands out to me and is clearly, clearly not somebody you would put in a sec. And I'm as a former secretary, not somebody you would put in a secretarial <laughs> position because they're sharp and they're quick, and I'd want them doing actual stuff. But I think that there are people that, for whatever is going on in their environment, they get treated like that. Yeah. And so if you are in that role, you're a scrum master and people are not either seeing the value 
or they think that the value you bring is just to be like coffee boy, coffee person, sorry. Yeah. Um, and that's not unlike being a project coordinator and having to like dig yourself out of yeah. that too. But how do you, do you have any tips for somebody who's in that situation? Yeah, there's, there's one word um, that I think is is a really helpful Vodka. word. <laughs> um, it's even shorter than that. Um, it, it, it can be really helpful. It can be really empowering. It, it, the word is no. <laughs> well, okay, no. but hold on so, though. You're, let's say I'm just, I don't know the person's age. Let's say I'm a 25-year-old person working with a bunch of 45-year-olds. I'm female, they're male. They've been at the company for a really long time. No is not going to float. Uh, um, the, <laughs> the, degree to, the degree of power you have is the degree of power that you claim. And, okay. and so there comes a point where you have to just put down your professional boundaries and say, actually, that's not my job description. I'm, I'm, I'm an analyst. And my analysis is you need somebody to do that for you. That's not me. <laughs> and okay. um, there's a, there's a group of scrum masters that I'm, I'm coaching these days. And one of them is just lamenting about how it's fundamentally inappropriate for her to challenge her boss, who's the product owner, um, on how the team should operate, what their retrospective Why? should look like. And, and I, and I ask questions about it and I ask questions because it's rude of me. Oh, and I like my boss. And, uh, and so, um, okay, you have a misunderstanding of your value, your impact and your relationship and your if you're, responsibility. If you're saying, and your responsibility, you have a response. If you do like your boss and you view them as a friend as well as a, a, co a coworker, you're obligated to say, listen, this is, I disagree. And disagreeing is not disrespectful. You can disagree respectfully well, and, and, and have a, and be the truth teller and the challenger of the status quo. So I do think that there's an opportunity for every professional to claim more power in their own skin, in their own role. And do that as much as you can without getting fired. And even if you go to the person and say, hey, this is something I'm working on, so I'm going to practice some stuff. And if I end up like stepping over the line, oh, just let me know. I love that. I love that. Uh, that's one of the other tips. Give them a heads up. Yeah. Give your boss a heads up. Give the 45-year-old male club a heads up to say, Listen, my role calls for a little bit of truth telling about the process improvement. So that's going to be my job. It might sound a little bit impertinent. Um, and if it is, let me know. And then but you create I'll, safety for them and for you if you do that. If you say, like, you know, I'm going to probably step over the line here and there and offend you, and all you got to do is tell me. Right. Then after the fact, keep a log. I call this the improvement log. Yeah. And for every positive nudge that you've had, keep a log about it. And then coming full circle, one column that you have for every row is the financial impact of the of that little adjustment. And then you can say at the end of three months or the end of six months that by asking, you know, it seems awkward, the questions I'm asking, but they've they've raised the bar up for a quarter million dollars of the organization. They're like, what? 
are you talking about your stupid questions? Raising the bar to quarter million yeah. dollars. Where'd you get that number? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Here's my spreadsheet. <laughs> Drop the mic. <clears throat> I think I have one other one I want to add in and I feel silly because I'm stealing it from the TV show lost. But in the first episode, <laughs> um, somebody asked the guy, Matthew Fox who played Jack Shepard, like how he was coping with everything. And he's like, I let the fear in for like five seconds. Mm. or something like that like he'll let himself panic for five seconds and then he has to stop and get back to work and i think if you're going to be in that feeling of i'm not safe i'm an imposter i can't talk i don't have the right it's not fair whatever go ahead let that loop run for about five minutes but then shut it down and go back to work yeah the book um letting go the pathway of surrender it's just all time by hawkins all-time classic on exactly that letting you feel the feels but then not dwelling in it yeah don't dance with it yeah, yeah. this was awesome thanks it was really good talking to you again too it's fun to, to get to sync up yeah. with you after all these years um so, so just plug to close your things books up. plug your stuff <laughs> do the things do the things what i'd love is for anybody who listened to this especially all the way to the end god bless you but if this drunk. is something that that resonates with you about the shift in the industry that's that's disrupting the conventional understanding of a scrum master and the conventional pro value proposition of agile coaching and trainers and just hit me up on LinkedIn with uh, an invite or a DM. I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Uh, yeah, um, and 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 we're going to try to collect as many voices as we can so that we can put this out on the radar in the industry either to correct the executive's thinking and or to correct our own thinking about what things, the way things We're both. happen versus the way things need to become. Cool. All right. The books, the website, do it all. Untappedagility.com is the book. He's got uh, matches. Innovation.com is the company. And, and really cool Sharpies. <laughs> really cool. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, we do like the swag. Um, Jesse so, has the coolest swag of any anybody, uh, in my uh, opinion. Yeah, we. Uh, oh, so untapped agility. The cover is a is a match is is matches a coming on fire, and and we gave away people matchsticks at at the book launch, and I said, okay, you, you're not supposed to demo them right now. <laughs> it's a prop. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Well, and the and the website and the untapped, podcast. The website for the podcast. JesseFuel.com. Don't you want to go in there? Uh, yeah, that's my that's my personal site where there's um, content as well. But the the latest content is going to be on YouTube, the YouTube channel. Okay, uh, it'll be in the show notes because I have so many things online I can't keep track of them. All right, well we'll try to sort that mess out for anybody who's listening. Um, Jesse, thank you very much for making time for this. And if you stuck with us all the way to the end, we appreciate it. Thank you for being here. <laughs> and if you have a topic, send it to me, and I'll try to do a podcast on it. All right. Thanks, Dave. It's been a blast.